Good morning, ladies, and welcome to Parsha's Amor. Hopefully we'll have some amazing thoughts and inspirational ideas for, from this week's Parsha. This Parsha contains a lot of different halachas for Kohanim. We're taught, or this is a famous Parsha where they always read for Yantiv, all the sacrifices, the karbanas that were brought for Yantiv. Talks about Kiddush Hashem, Chil Hashem. The two things I wanted to hyper-focus on today is the timely mitzvah of Omer, which is mentioned in this week's Parsha, and a little bit at the end about the Mekalel, you know, the man that blasphemed God's name. We'll talk about him and his uh, thoughts and what he did wrong. And we'll also have another little mention at the very end, since Friday is Pesach Sheni this week, we're going to do a little blurb about Pesach Sheni as well. Okay, so we have a few questions. Oh, if you want to give it a title for this week, we're calling it Minion and Binion, or The Great Count-Up. Now, so we have three questions on this week's Parsha. I spared you from four or five or six or who knows how many this time. First of all, we're told, Uspartem Lachem. Now, there's a lot more questions, but I've decided to, to, I had so much information, I decided to limit myself, so I'm limiting questions as well, because otherwise uh, we'll be on and on forever. It says, uspartem lachem, you should count for yourselves. What's the meaning you should count for yourselves? Um, you know, the only time we say lachem is like, you have to take kachtem lachem, esrig and lulov, uh, take for yourself. And there it means you shouldn't take something that's stolen, you know. So what's the, the meaning here? Is there any connection with that of lulov and esrig? Also, the very famous question that so many people ask, why do we count up and not count down? You're longing for something, especially if it's something positive. The vacation, that's what we can relate to in our age group, you know, or if making a chasa or going to chasa, seeing the kids, how long, you know, how long until we finally see our families again. Um, all those things we're usually counting down from the longing. But in fact, here we find we're counting up. And there's many meanings, but hopefully we'll give some new ideas today. And thirdly, what is our particular work that we're supposed to be engaging in during Sfirsa Omer? There's no really mention of it in the Torah, but the Bali Muster do have ideas. And what, from what is that based? I know we know we're going to be preparing for the giving of the Torah, but I thought as adults we need to, there'll be some refresher things, but there'll also be some things that are new ideas for us to ponder. First, let's bring down the Sifse Chaim, Rav Chaim Friedlander, who was a prime disciple of Rav Dessler Zetzal. He was a Meshkech Panovish very brilliant, uh, intellectual, thought-out person. Every deed he did. Rav Dessler, in fact, was a very thought-out person. Rav Dessler was known, well, first of all, I believe the whole Tshuva movement happened a lot because of Rav Dessler. Rav Dessler really had a whole different um, spin on Musser where he showed it applied to your intellect and he could intellectually explain all kinds of philosophies that seemed diametrically opposed. He tried to bring them all together. He was, they said, like the Briskorov of philosophy, Rav Dessler. And he, was, he passed away in the, um, in the 1950s. He was in Gateshead. He, started, he was the, the, the head of the Kolol Gateshead. And he was a big mister in many, many ways. And then he was in Panovich himself as the Meshkiach. Rav Dessler was so thought out and so self-calculated that right before he was nifter, he points to his heart and he said, I feel, I shouldn't point to myself, Khalila. Said, I, he said he felt he was having a heart attack, and he just said it just like that. He was trained himself to be so calm 
and never let time overwhelm him that he was able to speak like that. But, you know, he just felt that there was a pain. He said exactly where the pain was located, and shortly after, he was nifter from that pain. Now, um, but anyways, the Sifzichayim teaches us that there's a timely lesson to be learned in this week's Parsha regarding Sphira, which is very applicable to our situation. I'm trying to incorporate things that apply to our particular uh, situation of being in hiding in locked rooms together. We find in Yitzhiya Svitzrayim, we're leaving a a enslavement, a spiritual enslavement, a shibud ruchni, very low spiritually. It says in Parshas Vayikra, Perak Yudchas, Pasagimel, Kamasa Eretz Mitzrayim, Esher Yishavtem Bo'olo Itasu. You can't be like they were in Mitzrayim. It was a shibud ruchni. There was tremendous tumah in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim epitomized tumah, impurity, you know. However, it's very interesting how the Jews left Mitzrayim, says the Sif Sechayim. It says, It says, you left Egypt with haste. And it says also, It was told to the king of Mitzrayim that the nation escaped. And the Rambam in his Haggadah says, We went out with great haste. What is the thing of haste? Especially since it was the middle of the day. You know, they had the Korban Pesach when it was very frightful, so to speak. You're taking the deity of the Egyptians, eating it in the middle of the night with the blood on the doorposts. And then they had the, uh, the Makis Bechoros. And then all of a sudden, Bechipa Zone. What's the big deal about Bechipa Zone? And an interesting con- uh, contrast is in Yeshaya, we're told, Kilo Bechipa Zone In the times of Mashiach, we are not going to leave with great haste. So Sif Sechaim says there's a great lesson here. And this lesson is brought down by the Ramchal. If there's any questions, you could, by the way, I guess, post them. You don't have to shout them out. But if you want to write anything down, I'll answer. If it's anything that's not elaborate, just on the spot, you need something explained, translated, whatever, please feel free to write it down in the box in the bottom. Rivka maybe can tell us how that happens, but I don't know. But um, it's going to be quoting from you the Ramchal, the famous from Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the author of the Masil Sasharim. He wrote a safer which I never knew of until I read this, until I learned this thing with, um, with the Sif Sechaim, that he, it, he brings down, he wrote a sefer called Adir Bamarom. And in this Adir Bamarom, he says, And we see that the Jewish people, when they left Egypt, they had to flee. They had to run away. There's a secret in haste. There's a secret of leaving Egypt, leaving impurity, and that secret is the secret of doing things with haste. And then, and, and, and that's not the normal way of doing things. And then afterwards it says, Israel left with a high hand. That means they left calmly, upright standing, you know, that they all left Egypt with peace and patience. What's this idea of chipazon? You know, we have a whole thing with the matzahs, you know, we have the leaves or the matzahs. It's, so there's, there's a definite uh, stress here on the fact that we have to leave with great haste. And then it says, he continues, 
Sof Tavar, Yesh Bricha, Yesh Yitzia. People should know that there's an idea of escape and there's an idea of leaving. Bricha Hu, he Shalot Alpiseder Hamadregos. Escaping is not according to your level. When you escape, when you flee, this is the only way, says the Ramchal, that you can leave the hands of the Yitzhahara. But this cannot be something that will remain. But you can't do this forever. You can't always be running away from everything. Uh, the only way you can really correct whatever flaw it was ultimately is by slow, step by step, working on yourself. Okay, well, this is going to apply very much to our lives. I'm sure you're already thinking of ideas here. Now, the um, we find if you think about it, Vayanas is very, very common, and he ran away. We find that by Yosef. Yosef had to run away from Asius Potiphera. It's very interesting. You, uh, you may remember, very famous, it's from the Bali Musser. I did not find the source for this, but it's so well known. I didn't have a chance to look it up. That's the honest truth. And, um, but I, I remember this from recall. I just don't remember who said it. But it's a very famous idea. Why did Yosef run away from Asius Potiphar? And he just fled, even though she grabbed his garment from behind, mind you. And she, taught, she tore a piece. And this was your incriminating evidence. Even though it wasn't best evidence, it was from behind. He was running away, not running toward, whatever. But she, she tore off his garment, and this is what put him into jail. Why, did she, why didn't he grab, at least take an extra moment, grab the garment out of her hand, and he wouldn't have put, succumbed to being in jail? Because the Bali must have tell us that had Yosef, he felt, if I'm one more minute with this woman, she was testing and trying me for so long. If one more minute with this woman, I don't know if I can stand up in, in, in trial anymore. I have to flee. I have to escape. I can't stay here anymore. I need to run for my life. So, too, um, you know, there are times in life if we don't just, you know, it's just so foreign to our ears because it's, it's not the way of the world. You know, it's not chilled. That's the whole thing of today, being so chilled. You're not supposed to be chilled sometimes. Sometimes you brought, momish, have to run for your life if you see that you are going to be faced with an assignment that you can't withstand. Running away, we find so many people were fugitives. Um, Moshe was a fugitive. Yaakov ran away from Asaph. Yaakov ran away from Lavan. <laughs> also, I mean, many, many people throughout the Chumash, Avram Avinu uh, uh, ran away from Nimrod. Uh, it's interesting that to begin a great, uh, a thing of greatness, people had to be fugitives. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu particularly have to run away? It says in Sistechayim, he grew up in a palace, and it says he was called an Ish Mitzri. There was some kind of spark of some impurity of Mitzrayim that remained with him in his soul that, that he had to get, get away from. And sometimes the only way to do it is be do something drastic. Like, you know, there were stories of people throughout their television sets, for example. You know, if a person has to be prepared, uh, you know, if they feel this is my temptation, this is really getting me into trouble, I have to flee. I have to think of a way to flee, and I have to get it away from me. Whatever that is going to be, I have to get it away from me. But that can't be maintained so long. And after that, we have to bring back the idea of slow but sure working on this trait.
Lashon Hara, for example, sometimes the only way to get out of things is to get up and, you know, go get, uh, if you're at a wedding, let's say go up and get a nice soft drink, you know, or something else. Like just walk away, get away from it, get away from it, get away from certain people. They're difficult. Sometimes we feel we're going to boom, we're going to bust. We have to go in our room. We have to take a walk. We have to, I don't know, take a drink. That's they say the, the Erech Times, the safe Erech Times says the person feels like they're going to get angry. They should drink water. It's supposed to be a Kabbalistic thing for anger. In any case, if you do something to run away, that's how you're supposed to start the self-improvement. But Yaakov Avinu, even though let's say he ran away from Lavan, he had 14 years of study. I'm sorry, from um, from Esav. He had 14 years of study and, 30, and 20 years in base Lavan. And that's how he grew in his Madragas. The Ramchal says this is the reason why the person that kills by accident has to flee. Because somehow, you know, the person's hurry with Shogeg. He has to go to what's called an Ir Miklat, a city of refuge. Because he has, he was lax. He was lax in some small way in thinking about another. Now, it doesn't mean that at that moment he was lax. Well, usually it does. Let's say if he was on a ladder and, uh, you know, and he didn't look behind him to see who's there, there is some kind of incrimination or something he did wrong. And that's why, in fact, they say there is, the, if the Goal Hadam can reach him in time, he does have something to be punished for. There is something he did wrong. However, um, by, go, by fleeing, he can already change, like you're changing. That's maybe why also Mishana Makom, Mishana Mazel. Maybe the Makom is a place where a person, it's not good for his Neshama. And by going away from that place, a person can then be able to improve himself and, um, and and change their whole fate, just to, to escape. Sudden break from regular things, that's how a person could change things. You know, we can say it in a positive spin on this too. Sometimes that's, that's the, the plus for a vacation. It doesn't mean a vacation necessarily. I'm not uh, saying everyone's got to go to Barbados. Um, I'm saying that sometimes just going away for an hour, just reading a book, sometimes we need a, a place for our head to escape to, so when you come back, your head's not in the same space. Whatever it is that's negative, we may need that type of escape. Sometimes it's get rid of blank, whatever it is that gets in my way. I can't have it near me. I have to escape from it. And the, he, can, he continues, says the, the, um, the Ramchal continues and says, This is also like what Shuva is. In one moment, a person can go higher than the tzaddikim, tzaddikim gaburim rather, mamish sowed nace. That's the idea of running away. Interesting, you know the word nace besides the miracle, because it is a miracle, tshuva, that a person can actually have done something and all of a sudden he's forgiven. Uh, it's also, a nace means a banner because you've risen above who you previously were. A nace can also mean to flee, to flee, to run away from that mazel, from that situation. And that's what the comp says. That's, now, Cesar of Sese Chaim, you know, it says a famous thing, the place that Bali Tshuva stand, even a tzaddik cannot stand. Uh, that's Gemara and Brach Islam Adalad on the base. any case, Tshuva, though, says this is a thought of Rav Dessler, because I've seen this in Rav Dessler's writings, and Sistechheim echoes it, 
by the way, not everyone agrees with this thought that I'm about to say, but he says a tzaddik is still considered higher than a balshuva because it says in the pasuk, "Ein lo rasa elokim zulasecha." There was no one that saw Hashem except for you. That refers to a tzaddik. A tzaddik whole his whole life self control, self control, self control, self control. A balshuva has tremendous siyata He just flees. And in one minute, Hashem like takes him under his wings. He can leave his part of sin and become a new person. That's, that's, that's great. In that moment, he's greater than a tzaddik with the siyata deshmaya that he gets. But it's, a tzaddik does not need or does not have that siyata deshmaya. He's been going step by step, climb by climb, all by himself. So the, uh, the hard part for the Balchuva afterwards is the maintenance program. Like any diet or anything like that, the hardest part is the maintenance. When you have to incorporate things. I once heard a shir from Rabbi Reisman Shlita, the Roshiva of Tarvadas. He once said, you know when a Balchuva knows he's really, enter- he's really made it in the from world? As soon as he has a hard time saying a bracha with kavana. Uh, because uh, then you know, like, you know, I, I talk converts and all the time, oh, my first Purim, my first Pesach, my, such an excitement, and we can learn from that. That's how we should approach holidays. But finally, when they're like, they find themselves like stagnating and they, they find it's, it's a difficulty, at that point, then they're welcome to the real world, welcome to the firm world. And each one is something. It's not that they didn't do a great thing. To even take a step for tshuva is a very big thing. To break with your past is huge. It's a huge, huge, huge thing. You get tremendous heart for it. But there's still this running, but there's this leaving. And the leaving has to be slow but sure. And you're not completed. You're not, you're not finished until you've done that. Okay, so we're talking about fleeing, and I feel it's very relevant for our period that we're living through right now because um, we have in some ways been forced, as I said several times in my classes recently, we've been forced to be without distractions. We've been pushed into this thing. Now comes the maintenance. Of course, we're going to go up and down. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's we're trying, But that is the struggle of growth. Struggle of growth is that nobody goes straight up. <laughs> Everyone has bumps along the way, you know. Even in childbirth, by the way, and, and life is like one long labor, um, we find that, you know, it says you go and you're pushing the child out. It says two, the child's going two steps forward and then one step back. Like nothing is ever easy because that's, that's, the, that's what we get reward for, uh, the difficulty for, that we endure when we're, you know, doing these things. Now, we find that, um, so the, even though there's ups and downs right now, we have an opportunity with no distractions. Now, there's some, as I said, there's more distractions in some ways than there were before. But with distraction or not distraction, it's still, we see there's a, a new world out there. And it's really, if we just focus on positivity and we focus on how, we're seeing the Rabbanu Shalom, ain't ob novado, nothing else matters, nothing else counts. People are even making theories. Uh, not, uh, my cleaning lady was telling me recently, she said that um, she believes the whole thing is a hoax, political hoax, you know, because uh, it's overblown and all this kind of thing. People are trying to get away from that. They don't, they want to think it's still real. It's still, it's still, life is like normal. This can't be happening to us, but it's happened. So let's utilize this time to remember this was our, this is our siyata deshmaya. We even find, 
forgot to mention this, but I'm saying it now from the Ram Khali brings down as well, that there are two elements that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim itself, um, no, excuse me, it's not the Ram Khali, it's from Sifzichem himself interprets this. He says, B'nai Yisrael ran away, they listened to Hashem, and they obeyed his command, they left Mitzrayim, they crossed the Yamsuf, and Hashem gave us Gilu Yishchina, lo al yedei malach. It's a personal Hashem had to give us the siyata d'shmai we left to make such a drastic move. And, you know, sometimes we just have to do those things. And we ask Hashem for a siyata d'shmaya, and then we struggle with it afterwards. We're going to have to struggle with this madrega that we're trying so hard to acquire. Abdesla compares life to a battlefield. He says there's certain levels that we have never had to contend with. Um, because we're beyond it. Either you're born that way or you're already conquered that. Let's say turning a light on in Shabbos. For most of it, it's not a challenge at all, you know. But then there's things that we're really struggling with. That is our what's called Nikudas Habachira. That's where we're at right now, and that's where we're supposed to grow from, if we can conquer that behind us. And then there's some t- chartered, uncharted waters that are way above us that we can't reach. Now, Let's bring down here from Rav Shimshon Pincus, the, um, wait a minute, let me just make sure what I have here. Um, now, when we have the, the Spheris to Omer, just before I bring Rav Shimshon Pincus in a minute, or Rav Nevin's so I'm sorry, I'm bringing it first, the, um, the, uh, we're supposed to, we, it's seven times seven. When we count seven, first seven days, seven is considered natural. Like Shabbos is the purpose of creation, but within the natural means, that's what seven means. But seven times seven means you're perfecting the internal world. It's like a, you know, like a cube, whatever it is. But the, the whole seven times seven, all the dimensions of it, including the internal world, is supposed to be purified by the end of Sphirasa Omer. But we still strive only to 49 and not 50, because 49 means that we're saying that we're not supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to strive for perfection, but we're not supposed to be perfect people. We don't touch chametz on Pesach because we don't want to get, we're fleeing, we're running away from any, even something, iota of gaiva, of, of bad, of evil. But then when we get to the 49th day, we're bringing back two beautiful loaves of bread that's brought on the Mizbeach for Shavuos to show we're encompassing this world, and yet hopefully we've raised ourselves to a different level. I have a story. One of the students I once taught, I was amazed by her her steadfastness at breaking from the past. This girl, um, when she came to me, she was already, like, she had done a lot of research into Judaism. She was listening every week to um, Jews for Judaism, I believe, in New York. There is a certain rabbi there that was broadcasting on Sunday nights, apparently in the New York radio, a Jewish radio station. She was listening to him. She somehow accidentally got into it. She really started realizing her religion was false. And she heard about Judaism, and she continued reading. And by the time she came to me, I was I was thinking to myself, okay, here comes a lesson on Tzniyas. That's always the hardest lesson for any uh, convert. And I'm sure it is for many Jews, too, unfortunately. And that's our crown and glory that says, stands for a woman is like Glimit Torah for a man, says the Vilna Gon. So she, um, I, w- I was with trepidation saying, okay, we're going to learn something. It may be like a little strange for you to understand. We're going to explain it very well and where it comes from and uh, the halachic basis and, uh, you know, the idea behind it. And she tells me, 
I already like did a lot on that area. I said, really? And she said, yeah, I, um, I gave up wearing pants a year ago because I read about it. I read about all the laws of science and I just gave it up. And she said, and this year it was Kratzbuch time. Somebody gave her a gift of a pair of jeans and she said she looked at the jeans and she was about to put them on just to feel the feeling of jeans like she was so used to wearing how comfortable they were and she says she was afraid she would go backwards so she took the jeans and she slit them on she slit the legs so they would be unwearable um and so she wouldn't be tempted to put them on that's fleeing that's really that's real takes a lot of heroism and muscles that's really something that she did such a thing. I brought down Rav Zev Lechlita tells us that a Kohen in this week's Parsha, he can't be in contact with the dead. You know why? Because a corpse insinuates there's no more growth. And a Kohen who epitomizes how our outlook towards Judaism, we're supposed to look to him for inspiration. The Kohen is supposed to show us we don't stop growing. We're supposed to be working on growth. And sometimes it starts with the cycle of fleeing and then making it real and in slow steps. Now, why do we count? Um, why do we count down and not up? Count up and not down, rather. Sorry. Rav Shimshim Prinkus brings down the Sefer Achinuch, and it says in the Sefer Achinuch, Mitzvah Shinvav, Mishar Sheha Mitzvah Al Shat. If you want to know what the simplistic understanding is, why we count uh, the Omer and why we count up and not down, The whole mainstay of the whole Jewish people, the Torah, so we count. Uh, and because of the Torah, heaven and earth were created, and Yisrael. And this is the reason that we went out of Mitzrayim in order to get the Torah. So there's this link that's famous, Sefer Achenach, and, and that's for the whole people. reason we have the Geula, and we should feel ke'eved yishaf tzeil. We should feel like a servant uh, thirsting for shade, you know, uh, a person that's so hot. He's thirsting for shade. He's got to count because he wants so badly that the to, to, to reach to reach Kabbalah Satora. However, why are we counting down and not up? We find there's an idea that Rabbi Cutler brings down that's quoted by Shimshim uh, Pincus. It's similar to the idea. It says when Yaakov worked for Rachel. Seven years by you because those days that he worked for seven years seemed small in comparison because he loved her so much. That's what it's, the Pusik says. Ravaran expresses why is it that he counted that they considered small. Usually, if you're longing to get married, the days it, it seems you know it'll never. When will I get there? When will I get there? Why, are, why aren't we counting down? And why did Jacob Avino feel like the days were small? So answers Rabaran, because we need time to prepare to be pure. We need time for purification time. So the kind of the sorry, Shimshim Pinkus tells us. He says, you know, he's trying to explain Rabaran Cutler clearer for the rest of us. And he says, if a person wins a million dollars, and they say you could pick up your prize in ten days. 
can pick up your prize in 10 days. The uh, the person is the day he can't, he's counting down. He's longing nine more days till I can pick up my millions. Eight more days till I pick up my millions. If we have a situation where a person is, however, being paid $20,000 a day to get his million, that every day in itself is cherished. You know, and now we are counting these days. It says, I want to give the ones that love me, yesh. And in the Gemara and Uksin, we're told, yesh stands for shin yud. Shin yud is 410 worlds. Each tzaddik is given, whatever that means in the world to come for his activities in this world. What kind of worlds? So says Rashimshan Pincus, currency, once you have a currency, you don't have to describe it. You know, the thing is, we get worlds. We get worlds for counting the Omer. We, it's, we're, not, we're counting up to it because it's something we have to purify ourselves for. In fact, Maishu Feinstein himself says, the reason why we call the Yantav of Atzeres, we call it Shavuos, we're not just celebrating getting the Torah. We're celebrating the weeks of worth of work that we put into ourselves to deserve getting the Torah. But in any case, the alamas, the way to talk, the currency is God's currency. God's currency means, like if you go into a shop in Eretz Yisrael and they say, oh, I'll give it to you for five. Of course, it means shekel. You know, if you go in, in Britain, you're talking about pounds. It's The currency that Hashem means when you should count is you're going to get something spiritual as a benefit. You're getting something as spiritual as a benefit. That's the way of talking. Rav Nevensel says, when we talk about counting, we're saying, you count for yourselves. What does it mean counting for yourselves? Interesting halacha. We talked before that, you know, there's a thing with the lulav, lachem. We'll talk about that in a minute, how that answers that according to Rav Nevensel. But Rav Nevensel mentions that there's an idea in halacha called shomea ka'one. Sometimes you can be motzi somebody else with a bracha. You know, like tefillah saderach. Sometimes if people are in a big hurry, the driver can just listen. People can say the tefillah and he can respond amen. Because uh, hearing something, you hear every word, kiddush, like a very common kiddush, uh, many other mitzvahs, sometimes there's a necessity. Uh, we won't go into all them right now, why sometimes... Uh, it's better people say it themselves. Sometimes it's better Shomei Kaona, whatever. But there is a halachic um, allowance here that a person can say amen, and it's as if he said the bracha. And there's many times you can use it as a loophole, by the way, for hilchas brachas. If you're not sure, let's say you've made a shahakol on your coffee, if someone else in the room, they can make shahakol, you say amen. That's a very good way out of that predicament if you're not sure if you made a bracha. Not allowed to make a bracha just in case. Because it's uh, saying Shem Shemaim uh, for nothing. You're not allowed to do that. It's a low sisa Shem Hashem Lashav. You can't say God's name in vain. So you should not just make a bracha just in case, by the way. There are different solutions to get out of it if you've made a bracha in vain. So Shemaya Ka'ona is one of them. So a person can be motzi another person. Says Rav Nevensal. A person can be motzi another person because the other person, it, when it's an idea of an idea, Let's say I'm saying, thank you, Hashem. please, Hashem, let my path be safe. And Tefillah Saderach, if you're listening to every word and you're saying, yes, yes, Hashem is the one who's going to make my derech smooth. You're saying, amen, it means it is true. I'm agreeing with this. So as I pay, I'm paying total attention. I'm part of this. It's me. It's as if I said it, but for whatever halachic reason, I couldn't say it. 
and this person is saying it on my behalf, I say, Amen, I'm Yotze. I'm Yotze. However, with the halach of Sfira Sa'omer, no one can be Motzi another person. Usfartem Lachem means you can only count for yourselves. You can't count on behalf of anyone else. And there's great relevance in that. Because when we talk about working on yourself, the reason why the Torah doesn't tell us what we're supposed to work on during these 49 days is because it depends on who you are. Everyone has a different mission. 600,000 letters in the Torah, 600,000 basic Jewish neshamas, whatever that means. I'm not a makobo. <laughs> but in any case, a person is supposed to know they have their own tafkid. We're like in one big army. There's some people the sergeants, some people lieutenants, some people the cannon shooters, some people the, boy, am I dating myself? That's when I was born. Some people are the, uh, you know, are, are the, the cavalry. Everybody's got their own part in this particular uh, regiment. And everyone has to do their own job. Now, if a person does, uh, does what they're supposed to do in, in, for them, they have to work on themselves. That's what they're told to do during this period. They're not supposed to sit and think, what should everybody else be doing? But they should be thinking, what do I have to do? Everyone knows themselves. Everyone knows down deep what their failings are. Even though we don't like to mention it, we should know our failings, and we have to we have to work with the homer, with what we've been given, the situation we've been put into, and all the people around us that are surrounding us. That's our place to work, and we have to do something about that, and we have to make something out of ourselves. Some people have a have a have a nusach after a sfirah saomer says Rav Nevensel you have commanded us to count the Omer. This is according to the Zohar, by the way, to uh, purify us from our klipas. Anyone that's Hasidish will know what I'm talking about. And from our Tumah, from our impurity. We are supposed to, we are, we're told that we have to change who we are. Now, this type of activity, nobody can do for another person. Taking away the negative, only we can do that. Building the positive, that only we can do. But, Usfartem lachem. It's still said in the plural. The based in, by the way, for Yovel is told Usfarta lacha. Based in is to come for themselves because they're a single entity, so to speak. Why are we called Usfartem lachem? Part of this equation is not just that each person has to do his mission, but it can't be at the expense of another, nor can we be happy with the failings of another. Torah was not given to a yachid. It was given It was given as one soul. And the Jews camped as one entity next to Har Sinai, and they were given the Torah that way. And we are enjoined to, we are supposed to, even though each of our neshamas are unique, we should, and it says the same chalkenu besorosacha, give our portion in Torah that we are supposed to work on. But it says Torah Hashem Tamima, it's supposed to be perfect. It's only complete when everyone does their part. Not just us. We shouldn't only be concerned about ourselves. We're concerned about the shlemas of every person. Oh, no, I'm beginning to echo, which I'm sorry. Now, it's interesting. He brings down a story. It's a really amazing Misa from Rav Nevin Sal. There's a Gemara that tells us about someone called Rav Yehuda Bar Nechemia. was one of the Talmudim of Rav Yekiva. He wants asked a question or he like tried to slug up. He tried to like say something very brilliant to, to get catch Rabbi Tarfan off 
You know, he tried to get him to get something that Rabbi Tarfin couldn't answer. And he taka did it. He asked a question, and Tarfin had no answer for him. There was a, a Rabbi Kiva noticed that this Rav Yehuda, his face was a little bit brighter, that he had even stumped Rabbi Tarfin, who was his senior, was one of the gedolim of the door of the time. And Rabbi Akiva says, he won't live long. This Rabbi Yehuda bar Rabbi Nehemia, yeah, he, he, this happened before Pesach, and he didn't live till Shavuos. They said, Shavuos time, Rabbi Akiva asked, where is he? And they said, he's no longer amongst the living. I'm not trying to scare anybody here, but the point was, he's, according to the Talmud Rabbi Akiva, here is a case of somebody who had Torah, but he was happy that another person didn't have it. It's called being miskabed b'kalim chaveirah. something maybe we learned in Beis Yaakov. If you went to Beis Yaakov, for all those who are proud to be Beis Yaakov girls that mentioned it to me last week, and those of you that aren't Beis Yaakov girls, it's still a fundamental idea in the Musser world, and that is we are not supposed to get our honor from putting somebody else down. You may gain, Rabbi Yisrael Solange used to say, there's two ways to make yourself tall. If you're standing in the street, stand up on the sidewalk, or if you're on the sidewalk, push somebody into the street. But that's not making you tall. It's just pushing somebody else down. We're supposed to feel like every person has great potential and that we should, and we should, you know, and, and we should not want to be at the expense of other people. There's a tefillah, and Evetisal brings down, that from the base manager of Yehuna Ben Akana, um, that he talked about, like, people that learn are supposed to say, Yehi Ratzon Mofanecha, below Echshal Bedivrei Halachavis, Mechu Bichaveirai. I shouldn't fail when I'm t- learning Torah and people should be happy about that. In other words, you don't want other people to sin because of you, that I make a serious mistake and other people are all laughing about me. And my friends should not fail in their learning halacha. And I should be happy and rejoice with them. This is brachas chavchas on the base. Now, so each person knows we want everybody to be perfect. We should not just seek, that's the love of Hashem. It's not just to seek perfection for ourselves, but we would, should want to seek perfection with everyone. So our work, we all know, is Avaitis Hashem and Avaitis Hamidas. That's the currency. That's why the Torah does not go into what we're supposed to do when we count. But it's understood, self-understood, that we're supposed to be improving ourselves, self-improvement. In, in the base matters of Rasim Chazisov and Kelm, they would take the 48 things that you were supposed to work on to, to acquire Torah. And on the 49th day, they would review all of them. They would chazer all of them. That's not necessarily for us. We're not the Talmudim of Rasim Chazizel. But let's pick something or let's be thinking cognizant of something. And there's definitely a Vodas Amidos when you're locked into your house. <laughs> uh, it just, we just learn Musser every day about a particular meter we want to work on. We decide something we're going to refrain from. Think of way to get make roadblocks to flee from something we've been doing wrong. If we feel, I don't know, people have to use smartphones, God forbid. <laughs> we have to use them. We should have them far away from us and put them in places where they shouldn't be accessible 24-7. Other things, Lush and Hara, we should be far away from people that, that bring us to, to speak negatively or be prepared with, with things to speak about so we won't be initial in Lush and Hara. And at the same time, we should be working on these midos. Now, how do we know, says Rav Nevensal, Shlita, how do we know that 
Derech Heretz Kadmelatori. When I have Torah, I mean, it's a Chazal, but how do we know that Derech Heretz precedes Torah? You want to have more Torah, the more Derech Heretz, the more Midos, better Midos you have, besides that Mishnah of Avos and besides the Midah, the, the Mishnah of Derech Heretz Kadmelatori, how do we know it's so important? We learn it from the Chumash, says Rav Nevin Sal. Right before Matan Torah, according to many, when Yisro came, Moshe Rabbeinu was busy before Matan Torah, counseling people. Even it was after Matan Torah, he was still spending all of his days thinking how to improve Kla Yisrael, how to improve himself, how to get everyone closer to Hashem. And here comes a priest, a non-Jew, who's not yet Jewish. But Yetzei Moshe, he crossed Chosno. Moshe comes to meet his father-in-law. And then, of course, Rashi tells us, he comes, the whole Aaron came. Aaron came, the, the Canaan came. This Canaan came, the whole Kala Yisrael comes out to meet this non-Jew priest. And then and he bowed down to him and kissed him. And again, a, a non-Jew. Ish is always Ish Yehudihaya, Ish Ish Moshe. He's an important person. He's Moshe first asked, how are you? He started it. That's the, not Yisro. He started it. He asked the Shalom, how are you doing? And this is a class in Kabbalah Satorah, says Reb Nevin Salk. Ezu Chachamala made me call Adam. He learns from everybody on top of it all. Now Yisro, like a typical Shvir is not supposed to do, starts giving his son-in-law advice. He just meets and gives him advice. That's supposed to be the main rule you're not supposed to do with your daughters and sons-in-law. Don't give it unasked for advice, especially to sons-in-law. You know what that means. <laughs> now, so what happens? He gives advice, and um, and he, 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 Moshe could have answered him. Hashem chose me. I split yam soup. I brought Yisrael out of his stripe. You're giving me advice? Thank you, but no thank you. No, he listens. He asks Hashem's counsel. Israel gave me, you know, the advice that it's too much for you to go judging everybody, like get people, different hierarchies, like get a, people over 10,000, over 100,000. And then finally, the final word will be through you to make it more organized, waste less of your, less of your time. So Moshe asks Hashem, and he, he, it says, Vayas Kolashir Amar. He, he did everything Israel told him to do. People don't like advice, says Rav Nevinsal. Makes them feel inferior. Makes them feel like right, I need something from somebody else. We all have to admit we we don't. We none of us can go without other people. We all need other people in our world. Nobody's all able to do everything themselves. Okay, so so far uh, we are not. We are more than midstream. We are more than midstream. We're all. Almost done, but let's just review what we've said so far about fleeing and then the slow growth. The idea is no one else can do it for you. You have to do the work. It's perfection of, of internal character. We've got all this. We have visual, audiovisual aids being locked up in our houses right now and masks and realizing, you know, all the things that we need to improve on. Moshe Rabbeinu himself epitomized it. This is our prime avoda. But, of course, we can improve learning Torah. We can improve our, our halacha because that's anything that brings us closer to Hashem that, that we feel is getting in the way. This is our mandate. Mid-year, we don't have to wait till the Yom Narayim. Right now, this is what the mandate of Spirit Sa'omer is. Because, the, really, the beginning of Klal Yisrael is Pesach, and the other beginning of man is Rosh Hashanah, and that's the parallel of the two years. But here's the time for self-introspection. And the perfection that hopefully comes, just like a Yom Kippur, it comes with Shavuos. Now, in this week's parsha, I see we're running late, so I'm going to um, 
I don't know how many minutes we if we started late, but okay, I, I have about um, what's it, 15 more minutes to go. Now, in this week's parsha, there's much mention of korbanos, and we're told that it says uh, if you have to bring a shore, o kesev, o ez, ki v'leid, whether it's an ox or whether it's a sheep, a lamb, or whether it's a goat that is born. And then Baba Kama says, Amaraba, Shor Ben Yomo Krui Shor. Ayel Ben Yomo Krui Nikra Ayel. It says, um, there's much more I could say about this, but I'm running late, so I'm not going to get into the intricacies and the pilpul and the Gemara with this. But basically, the idea is from this Pusik we learned, says the Mikta Shalevi, they say that, you know, if you have to bring any of these animals, it says, Kivaleg. Once it's born, it's called by its name. Like a baby, a human baby, cannot function as an infant. Whereas many of these animals get up and walk almost immediately. Only man has all these different stages that he has to go through. An animal, in fact, does his tough get immediately birth. We are raising the child only that he should be able to fight his Yetzirah and do what his mandate is in life, which is unique to the human race and unlike the animal world. So says the Mikdash Shalevi, Rav Dunner Zetzal, he says that, the um, a tzaddikim, if a tzaddik sins or any human being that wants to become a tzaddik sins, they bring an animal as a korban to show, you know what? I don't want to be like an animal. It's under my domain. I'm, I'm sacrificing this animal because an animal is just au natural, doing what he does. I am here to work on myself and improve my character and not be the same person I was born to be. Some of the mitos that we have to work on are brought at the end of the parsha something that people don't usually like to touch, but I'm touching it right now because I feel like, you know, it gives a lot of interest and we can learn something from it. So it says, There's a man from the Jewish people that goes out of the camp and he is Mekalel. There's the son of Shlomis Bas Dibri who leaves and he, they say, where did he leave? According to the, the Taz, the Taz says every Jew comes from a holy place. And when he decides to do something wrong, he's leaving the holiness that we all have potential of being. And we leave that holiness and we go into dark areas, which is what we are not mandated to do. Shlomis Bas Dibri, that shows the influence of a mother. This was the only woman that ever succumbed to ruining her progeny. She was the, the this. Uh, she was very. She used to say shalom to everyone. Some of the mafreshim say that it wasn't Dibri that she talked so much. That was her failing. This is Shalom Shvodrans. That's all. He says it wasn't that she talked so much, but that she was saying shalom to be polite with the non-Jews. Um, this is where people, when you get too in to try to be like everybody else, you know, like they do this, so we do this. We're going to be just like all, you know, have a have a party, get together with all the neighbors on the street because we're, you know, hi guys, you know, we're just like you. Um, we're supposed to be friendly and say hello, but that's about it. But to, to go and to be very friendly and like kind of talk their language and walk their walk and talk their talk, this is what brought the downfall of her son. <coughs> so later that day, this Egyptian uh, that she was that she, she was too friendly with came to her house after her husband leave, left, and the rest is history. She begat this child, <coughs> was technically a Jew. According to some abortion, because we all, so to speak, were Megayer at Matan Torah, he had to be Megayer. He would have had to be Megayer twice. But this happened before Matan Torah, according to almost all of them abortion. 
<coughs> now, so, so let me take a drink, second. Any case, now, so the, um, so, so we find that um, where did he come from? Other, I'm the person say he came out of the base din of Moshe Rabbeinu. Two things he did wrong. One, he saw the lechem upon him, and he was already ask, asking about it. He was arguing about it. He says, is that honor for the king to leave the ten showbreads on the shulchan for ten days, before nine days before the kohanim take it? Uh, of course it was covered because there was a miracle with that shulchan that uh, after nine days, the bread was not stale. It tasted just like fresh bread. But he says, why don't the kohanim get it right away? Why do they have to wait? And he went into... He was trying to pitch his tent in the tribe of Dun, and some people took offense. They said, if, you know, your Nachala in Eretz Yisrael or in the Midbar is according to your father. Your father is not Jewish. You can't camp with us. So he goes into the base in Moshe Rabbeinu. He's told, no, you cannot live with B'nai Dun. You're going to have to live outside the camp, but you still can live in the Jewish camp. He gets so upset, he curses in the name of Hashem. He curses uh, Hashem himself. He uses the 26-letter name of Hashem. And in short, they had to stone him later. Now, they, um, one thing we learned from this, says Ravari Leibach, he says, the important trait that was lost here is the need of patience. How many times, if we would just wait a little bit longer, we'll understand the motives of other people before we lose it. Why don't we just find out why people are doing something? Like, if you would have thought things over, perhaps you thought, it's not so bad. I'm just, okay, I'm not living with the Sheva Dun, but I'm living still within the Jewish people. What's wrong? Erev Rav, whatever it was, you know. Um, you could still meet Matzliach as a Yid, you know. He brings down, there's a story about Eov, that Eov had a test from his wife. Now, Eov, you know, obviously went through any horrible things that a person could possibly go through. And it says that, um, oh, first of all, before I bring you, in Kohelis we're told, In Kohelis it says, don't be in a rush to speak and don't say bad things about Hashem. Be, be slow to, before you say something negative about Hashem, be careful with whom you are dealing Eov, it says, by Kalel es Yomo. He once was going through a hard time, and it says he cursed out his day. It means like, oh, my day was terrible. Now, we're supposed, to not, we're supposed to work on that, not to do that, but everyone has a day sometimes, especially can't. Eov was still considered a tzaddik with everything, even at the end. So even a tzaddik like Eov sometimes didn't have pleasant things to say about his day. He didn't want to curse. What happened was, when he was suffering so much, it says, "Batomer lo ishto odcha machzik b'tumascha barecha lokim b'mus." You're still being so holy after all the punishments you're receiving. Curse God, and He'll punish you on the spot, and you won't have to go through this anymore. You won't have to endure the first person talking about uh, euthanasia. That <laughs> was his wife. Any case, she said, you know, and but Eov said, "Kedaber achas and avalos to Are you going to speak like one of these low lives? The good things you take from Hashem and the bad you're not going to accept? And Eov did not curse out Hashem with all that testing. Okay? 
at that time, it says he did say by Kalelis Yomo, I had a very bad day. He did curse out his day. The day was horrible. I couldn't stand my day. But he did not succumb to saying bad things about Hashem. You know, it also shows us the power of speech. Here, Eov was a person, or not Eov, we're talking about the, the idea of this um, Mikalel, the person that blasphemed Hashem, the power of using Hashem's name. When we have brachas, the kayach of a bracha says, uh, you know, um, it, 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 first I'll raise up your name, remember to whom I'm speaking, before we utter Hashem's name, let's remember to whom, let's raise him up in stature. And know, know to whom, who we are raising, who we are dealing with, and then utter those names. It's important. What we say is so vital. We just, sometimes we think there's no one at the other end of the line. Sometimes we think, my prayers, who am I to pray? We can't, we have to give ourselves, every yid has the kayach of tefillah. Even what we find by, um, by uh, what's her name? By um, Hagar. Hagar's tefillos really brought her to, to you know, if, if, if she was able to see malachim with her tefillos. We never know. No person is too unimportant to speak. And this person was put to death because of the kayach that he misused. And even after all that, look what he did. We're almost done, by the way. I don't want anyone to run away. Um, the, uh, in, we find that um, after that, they put him in the in jail cell. Rabbi Gifter, Zechron Levracha, tells us, he was put in jail together with Mekoshesh, the person that gathered sticks on Shabbos. That person was obligated to death punishment, but he was not put in the same cell. Why? Because even this man who had done a blasphemous act against Hashem was still, we didn't want to give him, uh, until they heard what Hashem decided on the fate of this man, they didn't want him to have unnecessary agony. So we should still care about somebody else, even if he's the worst sinner, because not, they should not undergo the worst agony. So we talked about all this ideas, growth, run, and, 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 and then work slowly, not at the expense of others, and use a sense of calm. Okay, so now the, the last thing is this Friday is Pesach Sheni. I just want to end off with this. There are people that were tummy on Pesach itself, and they asked that there should be a time for them to bring the Korban Pesach, because otherwise they're putter. They don't, they're not obligated. A Tame cannot bring Korban Pesach. Uh, Cohen can't, Shecht, if he's Tame. Um, so, Lama Nigara, why should we be left off? Ramesha Feinstein's itself says that a person should know that he does, it, 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 yeah, there is a big, big thing for a person to feel, I don't want to be exempt. I want to grow. Even if I'm exempt, I want to do something. Ramesha says, for example, you don't have to eat so much matzah on Pesach. Just eat a drop more to show like you want to do the midst of eating all the matzah, but you can't. We should always endeavor, even if we don't get there. We should try. That's what Pesach Shani is there to remind us. There's a second chance, and these people were given the parsha in the Torah. Moshe himself didn't know this until they mentioned it to him because they should have the schus, and their names are not mentioned because it doesn't matter who they are. It's important the concept what they did, says Ramesha. The concept that you should try to go for the stars. Even if you're putz or even if you're exempt, you should try. And we should not just try to grow. We should try to go high, higher than we think we can do. Sometimes we try to say, who am I? I can't do everything, and I've got such a hard situation. But we have to try, under any circumstances, to not limit ourselves to growth. There's a story I saw in 
the uh, Yated this Shabbos, about a Halegayid from Yerushalayim, who used to go to the Kaisal every single day. And he got sick, wasn't able to go to the Kaisal. People came to comfort him, and they said, you must feel terrible, you can't go to the Kaisal. And he says, obviously, if Hashem put me in this situation where I can't go to the Kaisal, my Kaisal is here. We have to do what we can do. We should always want to do the, more. We should want to do it. But we should know that this is where we're meant to grow, and this is where we're supposed to strive. I heard on the Bitachan hotline that he said that if a person tries to do something and they're dealing with people who pull them down, they can't get there. Let's say you want your husband to learn, and he's not learning, not learning. Some people have just really shut down. They say anybody with any type of uh, tension or whatever it may be is much more that way right now, out of their schedule, out of their milieu, all the things that we're going through. Person has to know that even despite all the hardships that we're going through at this time, we have to try to do our best, and we get even more reward because when you don't see the final thing come through, you don't get covered from it. You get even more more scar that you don't get covered. You, you try to enable your husband to learn, he doesn't learn. You get the scar as if he learns, and that's his business. You know, same thing. Anything. We're around people. We're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to raise certain children. We don't. We're not zayicha to raise the children we feel like we'd like to raise. That we still get the schar if we put everything in as if it would be the gadol hador to be, and we try our very very best. We get the schar as if we raise gadolim. It's just we don't get we don't get the covet. We don't get all that. That's even better. We get a pure olam haba without getting any covet and distractions in olam hazeh. So let's all try to apply ourselves, to work on ourselves. Remember, these times are time for growth. The currency for each person is different. Let's, let's worry about every year they should reach their shlemas. And let's all, if we have to do this combination of running and slow growth, let's combine the two. And Pesach Sheni, when we eat our matzah, which is supposed to eat a kazai's matzah on Pesach Sheni this Friday, or Thursday night after dark, we should remember that the, when you really want to do something, you get tremendous reward just by trying. It's not the, the result that counts. It's the effort. I thank you for listening. Next